Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. I have to ask your forgiveness for the tired voice. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Ed, you kind of sound like this all the time, but no, for real. This morning was a 4 a.m. wake-up call, training for a couple of triathlons. It's a swim day, so in the water at 5. But I have to tell you, I kind of felt like I was gliding through the water this morning. Unfortunately, I felt like I was gliding through the water with the piano on my back. It was one of those days, and we've, we've all had those, so we're grinding today. But I couldn't be more excited to talk about and share the stories I'm going to share with you today because something happened recently. I'm going to timestamp this podcast just because of the story I'm going to tell. And, and, and last week, my son, EJ, who's on an 8U baseball team, him and his 8U baseball team went to the south side of Chicago, 114th and Western uh, at Kennedy Park to play a baseball game. It's funny because that's the pool I grew up in swimming the first six years of my life. Both sides of my family are from the south side, my mom and dad's side, both from the south side. I've had cousins that live right at Kennedy Park. You know, if you're familiar with Chicago, that's the Morgan Park, Beverly area. Right around there, you have Mount Greenwood, you have Alsip. Well, anyways, we go back there and I'm, I'm excited because we get to go back to the roots. My dad's coming with us. Uh, we're taking the kids. Uh, it's going to be kind of cool. And everything was really cool until the game started. But sometimes there really is a positive in getting beaten three innings by whatever the mercy rule was. We used to call it a slaughter rule, although somehow we have changed the slaughter rule to a mercy rule, right? Which is fine. But the game got over early. So I thought, well, what the heck? Let's make the most of this and let's go out to dinner. So we went to Brocco's on 111th. It had just an amazing dinner and we laughed. And Papa, my dad told the kids stories about when I was growing up. And when we walked outside, I suddenly realized when I looked at the Chicago firehouse across the street, that was the firehouse that we paused my grandpa's funeral procession in front of uh, so they could honor him and, and, and salute him. And this is years ago. This is right when I got back from Texas A&M um, in the late 90s. And so we took the kids over and we took pictures with them in front of the firehouse. And we talked about Papa, and, you know, and yes, that who's who my son is named after EJ, Papa EJ. And we just told some stories. And then I looked at my watch, I'm like, you know what? It's late. It's going to be late tomorrow. But how many times do you get to do this? And not only how many times do you get to do this with your kids and take them around the neighborhood, but how many times do you get to do this when it's your father's birthday, you know, in two days and then it's Father's Day in three or four days. So we took some time and we drove around the old neighborhood and showed them some of my cousin's homes. And then we took him by Marist High School, which is where my dad got his first head coaching position back in 1969. And his last year, there was 75, 76 when they went 28 and three. And and he really built that program from the ground up. And it was the first place that I saw firsthand. And unfortunately and unfortunately, I'm I'm, I'm blessed and cursed with a great long-term memory. And his first place that I remember seeing people physically, emotionally, and mentally pushed outside their comfort zone and brought back in and what that did. And obviously, I didn't realize then what was happening. But I do remember the look on the players' faces. I do remember the conversations with my dad and his assistants going to, to game scouting in the car with them or sitting in the coach's office. But it was a very special place, nevertheless, right? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's Marist High School is a very special place in our family. So it was really cool to, to go back to the roots. And, and then we went back and drove by my childhood home on 144th Court. And last but not least, and I say not least because this might have been the kids' favorite part, we took them by Lane School, which is where I went to grade school. And um, somehow that translated into Papa telling the story about how I was kicked out of preschool. And that just, things went downhill from there with the stories. So we drove home and just had a great time. And last week I was getting ready to write my VIP newsletter. And by the way, if you want to receive my newsletter, 
we share content every week. We share stories. We share strategies. We share lessons. We share resources. Uh, we'll recommend one of our podcast episodes. We'll give a shout out to someone who's been in the podcast or someone who's in our world, whether it be the Athletics of Business or the Molitor Group, whether they're one of the same. And then we give a book recommendation. And it's something that the people in our tribe really find helpful. I've gotten some amazing email correspondence, some phone calls, text messages. If you want to go to the website, themolitorgroup.com, there's a way that you can opt into that. And it's all it is is, is content. All it is, is is a newsletter every single Friday. And I think you'd enjoy it. But anyways, I was working on the last week's newsletter and I thought, okay, dad's birthday, father's day. I'm in, you know, we had so much to write about in, in the athletic and the business world that I could have tied together, whether it be the Warriors, the hockey playoffs, the other things going on in professional sports. I'm going to talk about the top five lessons that my dad has taught me. So I started the whiteboarding and I've got this inside our studio. It's a beautiful setup. I've got this humongous whiteboard. And if you know me, I, I love to be creative on whiteboards. I love to just go with things and just write and see where it takes me. So I started doing that. And the first five bullets I had, I want to share with you. And I want to share a little bit about the story with you and where we're going with this. And the first five bullets I had in and of themselves were good, were really good. Self-discipline. I learned to be self-disciplined in my thought, behavior, and my execution. Then I learned the second bullet was stand for something. Know who you are in what you stand for, or you will fall for anything. And this is something that's a big part of the work we do in our foundational program, Victory Defined, when we jump right into the values, exercises, and strategies and resources. You know, our big thing is stand for something or you fall for anything. I mean, know who you are, right? And that was one of the things that was really cool about taking the kids like, hey guys, this is a part of your life. Like this has a lot to do with the way I am. And this is going to have a lot to do without you even knowing it, the way you turn out. And then third, enthusiasm. Okay, now we all know nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm, but here, here's what I mean by enthusiasm, right? I don't mean going 100 miles an hour. I don't mean being like a shock jock. I don't mean any of that stuff, but have a passion for life, have bounce, have some energy, you know, and just have a certain thing about you, have your eyes, have that little light shining in your eyes where people know that you're there for a reason and then be consistent. This is something I don't think we talk about enough. Okay, consistency. Be consistent in every single thing you do. And when I talk about this from a coaching leader standpoint, be consistent in how you take care of yourself. Don't just be on this roller coaster of workouts and diets and meditation and positive affirmations and reading. It has to be a way of life for you. Be consistent in everything you do. And then how you carry yourself, how you treat others, how you work. And here's the thing that consistency does, okay, besides creating habits and things becoming a way of life for you, consistency allows your people to know what to expect of you and to know what to expect of you in specific circumstances, situations, whether it be success or adversity. And then the fifth bullet was work ethic. Never, ever allow anyone to outwork you. And what does that mean? Now, when I first got into coaching, that meant working, and I'm, I'm not BSing you. I mean, it meant working 18-hour days, 19-hour days. First to the office, last to leave. But now when we talk about work ethic, are you working smarter? Sometimes it is about working hard, but are you working smarter? Are you working harder? Are you working smarter? And we all know like our work expands and contracts to the time we allot it. So what are you doing inside of that time you have? Just being logged in, just being online. I know that's, you know, in our virtual world now, it's like, oh, I got to make sure I'm online. Well, what are you doing when you're online, right? Don't let anyone ever outwork you. And what's the thing about those five bullets? What do you notice? Think about that. Self-discipline, stand for something or you fall for anything, your enthusiasm, your consistency, and your work ethic. What do all those have in common? 
Those are five things that you absolutely can control. So I took a step back and I'm like, huh. I looked at the five bullets. I'm like, that's pretty good. Not this good. I'm missing something. I started to write down the, the things I was missing and selflessness, persistence, constant learning and growing, constant growth, right? Mental and physical toughness, and then curiosity. Those are big things. Those are huge things. And those are all lessons that I learned over the years from my day that I still learn. I mean, I still learn. The man's amazing. So we all know that there's power in simplicity, right? There's exponential power in simplicity. So I started to think, how can I narrow this down into one, two, or three things to get the point across the lessons that I've learned so it impacts in a simple, efficient manner for the folks that are reading the newsletter? And then it dawned on me, what's the one thing that sets him apart that I've completely embraced in my world, whether it be with the business, whether it be with my clients, whether it be with potential clients, with my family, with my friends, with people that I get to know and develop in relationships. What is the one thing, the one thing that allows all of those things to flourish? And that's the power of caring, the power of caring. And I witnessed that. You know, I witnessed that growing up and, and how he cared for his players, how he cared for his assistants, how he cared for his friends and, and for his family and, and you know, how he cared for my friends and, and not just my friends how we care for my friend's family. And the power of caring is just, it's so real and it's so genuine and it's so authentic. Great leaders truly care enough to do the things that are necessary to get the most out of themselves, their people, and from a collective perspective, the teams that they lead. And I learned that from him. I learned it through conversations. I learned it through experience and through observation. I started to get on a little bit of a roll with the whiteboarding. So I went over to my desk, my stand-up desk, I, I started typing. And I just think as a coaching leader, think about the people in your life that have impacted you. Think about the people that have, you, that have helped you accomplish things that you might not have even thought were possible. And this is what I wrote. Care so much that you lean into your core values that you think and act with self-discipline. You work in such a way that it sets you apart from everyone else that you ooze enthusiasm. And you do all of these things consistently despite the circumstances and care so much that selflessness, persistence, commitment to development, mental and physical toughness, and curiosity are a way of life. And care so much that you are constantly pushing yourself for the benefit of your team members. Now, think about that. Care so much that you are constantly pushing yourself for the benefit of your team members. Now, earlier I mentioned that I swam this morning. And I'm by no stretch of imagination. Am I fast or am I a great swimmer? Which there's an upside to that. I spend a lot of time in the pool when I do my swim workout, which means I have a lot of time to think. And I literally am intentional about the things that I think about. And it's about my clients. It's about potential clients, about projects that I'm working on. It's about the part of the book that I'm currently writing. And I keep pushing myself mentally. I keep pushing myself physically for the benefit of others because I know when I do that, I know that I'm going to be better. And as a coaching leader cares so much that you are authentic, it doesn't stop there, that you are authentic in your preparation, your communication, and your execution. Think about it. Those three things are aligned authentically, that you're operating with honesty, integrity, and vulnerability in all three phases, okay? In all three of those areas, your preparation, communication, and your execution. And then care so much. We talk about intangibles a lot, but care so much that you take the time to raise your level of self-awareness on my wall. I've got I've to do a creative so I can get this out on social media, but on my wall, 
off to the side of our podcast studio with the soundboards. Uh, and there's a saying, and it's everyone talks about self-awareness is a competitive advantage. No, I believe that self-awareness is the competitive advantage. And we have that on our wall. It's really cool. It's something that I look at every single day to remind myself that I am responsible for my level of awareness. Okay. So care so much that you take the time to raise your level of self-awareness daily through reflection. And then you don't just sit with that. Okay. Then you make the necessary adjustments so you can help your people accomplish what even they might not believe is possible. Isn't that a huge part of what we do as coaching leaders? As managers, you often, when you think about the difference between managers and coaches, as managers, you're often trying to get people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. As a coach, I am trying to help you accomplish something that maybe even you might not think you're capable of accomplishing. Care so much that you can put your head down on your pillow at night knowing that you did your best and then wake up in the morning ready to attack the day. We spend so much time tossing and turning and worrying about the things that are keeping us up at night. What about if we shifted our focus to what gets us up in the morning? What is it that gets us up out of bed in the morning? And we're not always going to have that bounce. You know, it's not always going to be a smile. We're going to say the positive thought. First thought, you know, you can control the first thought you have every day. We're going to do that. But we might begrudgingly get out of bed with the bounce. We might have some stuff going on. We might not feel 100%, but we're going to find a way to be our best even when we're not at our best. And if you care, if you truly genuinely care, you're going to do these things. And here's the thing. Let your people know that you care. You can't assume. Well, they know. They know how I feel about them. They know I got their back. My door is always open, even though it's literally shut right now. No, let them know you care. And I'm going to say it. We hear it all the time. Everyone says it, but everyone says it because it has so much meaning. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. So how do I do that? Like, how do I know I'm not wired that way? I am not wired to just be that guy, even though internally, even though deep down inside, I really do care. I just don't show it. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Here's how you let people know you care. First of all, be curious, ask questions, ask questions, and then shut up and listen and listen to not only what they're telling you, but listen to what they're not telling you. Read their body language. I got to be honest, people complain about the Zoom thing as a result of, of COVID and everything we've been through and grown through. I love it. I love it. I have a huge phone call today with an amazing, amazing woman in the sports and entertainment world. It's going to be a podcast guest. And it was like a no-brainer. She says, you want to do a phone or a Zoom? And out of respect, I said, I'll leave it up to you because I don't know her that well yet. And I stressed the word yet. And I didn't know, like, I know that our schedule's packed. I know that's tight because we've been trying to get on the phone together now for months and months and months. And she says, love to do a Zoom. I, I mean, that was awesome because I love to see the people I'm talking to. If you have an option between a phone call and a Zoom call, and you want to ask some questions to your people, make it a Zoom call and watch their body language. Watch their eyes light up when you ask the question, listen to them, and then you ask a follow-up question because you want to know more because you're sincerely curious. Next one, and this one comes from my experience I just had. Last week, my wife was in Punta Cana. It was her awards trip for her side hustle, her professional career. She is an amazing salesperson for Comcast Business. I mean, just an incredible, highly successful, great team, loves what she does, has a passion, loves her clients, loves her customers. I mean, it's all about them. It's really cool. Another thing, I mean, it's another positive of, of COVID is working together in the house. I'll walk through, you know, walk by her office, listen to talk to her clients. It just, it gives me some juice. She's just good. You know, and she also has a side hustle, Yoli, and it's a better body system. And this is not a shameless plug at all, but this is who she was on the trip with. And 
there in Punta for five nights, four days. So I had the kids. We had three sports camps going on. We had uh, 11 sporting events, had the business, had a whole lot going on there. You know, I, you know, I gratitude every day and she's a big part of my gratitude every single day um, for all she does. And as I was doing dishes and folding laundry and making sure I was putting the right amount of ice cubes in the kids' water for their games, that's another story in and of itself. But it dawned on me like, God, I knew she did a lot, but I never stopped to think about how this impacts every other area of her life. Because I found myself scrambling for time, right? I found myself every hour window I had, holy cow, did I maximize my work in that hour. And I started to think like, okay, I'm here. I'm walking in her shoes right now. And I knew she did all these things. Like we both have things. We both have a role in the house. We both do different things, right? And I knew she did all these things. But like, I never stopped to think about how it impacts her numbers, right? Or her being able to really do this side hustle she's so passionate and into. And it's awesome. And I started to think like, okay, how do we translate this into the power of caring? Well, how does, think about this. How does this career that they're in, how does their job and how does your relationship with them impact their world and their life? How does it impact their family? How does it impact their personal growth? How does it impact their psychological safety? I'm going to get into that in a little bit here in a second. Okay. How does it impact their dreams, their ambitions, their goals? How does it impact the, the, the family vacations they want to take, the family time they want to have, the hobbies that they want to pursue? And when I talk about goals, we're talking both personal and professional. And do you take the time as a coaching leader, do you take the time to sit down and talk to your people about what their financial goals are and add meaning to them? And how can you help them? How does what they do every single day impact all of these things? And then another way to show your people that you care is a very simple question. How can I help? What is it that I can do right now for you to help? And the next one is funny because this will set you apart as a coaching leader. And this is something I learned years ago when I was a player. And I've shared this story before. And I'm a little bit different, which you figured out by now. And if you don't believe me, ask my friends and my wife. They'll tell you that I'm a little bit different. I'm different in this way. I don't like receiving awards. I never, in athletics, I never, it was cool to get trophies. But to me, I was, the reward really came from knowing that the process I followed to get there was the right way to do it. And knowing that I did my best inside of that process. And there's a lot of science behind this. This is a whole other topic that we will dive into with a guest on the podcast soon, actually. But the reward, the award was, was anticlimactic to me. So how did I like to be coached? Well, I, I'll never forget this. And it was my freshman year at Creighton. It was spring. It was April. It might've even been beginning of May. School was winding down. I was walking from the library. I was walking to our baseball game. At that time, Creighton I was playing their baseball games on campus in a facility they built. And I was walking through the middle of campus. Off to the right was the Kiewit Center. I'm walking down the cobblestone. There's a Kiewit Center, which at that time is where the basketball offices were. And I see Coach Baroni and Coach Fick walking out. Now, you got to understand something. When the season was over, the last thing they wanted was to see the players. The last thing we wanted to see was them, unless we had to. So like workouts, study hall, breakfast check. You need your space. That's very normal. And I saw them. And you know, I started to do a little bit of math. When I say math, I'm talking about what we call it geometry. And I started kind of sizing up how fast they're walking, what angle they're walking at, and where I'm walking, the direction I'm walking in, how fast or slow I'm walking, and at what point are we going to meet? I realized that our paths are going to cross. And at this point, they have not seen me. So I'm thinking, okay, I can bail out on this. I start looking left. There is absolutely nowhere I can go. I start looking right. It's going to take me right to Coach Brony and Coach Fick. So I keep walking straight. 
And literally three seconds later, I shudder because I hear, hey, Molotov. And that's what Coach Peroni called me. And that's a result of, it's another long story. But anyways, I acted like I didn't hear, which it was impossible not to hear Coach Peroni if you were on the same continent with them. And I mean that in a great way. Again, Molotov. So I stop and I look and he's got this look on his face that I can't quite make up. Now, I know he's walking towards the circle where his new Cadillac is as a reward for us making the NCAA tournament. So I'm presuming he's in a wonderful mood. It's a beautiful day. I mean, it's like 78 degrees. Felt like we were literally the only people walking through campus at that time. And I braced myself. He comes up, he goes, what in God's name did you do to your English teacher? Well, I was taken aback because honestly, English was one of my favorite classes. I was in this really cool class. And, and uh, shame on me, I cannot remember my professor's name. She was a wonderful woman. And it was a smaller class, 14 people. And we wrote and we shared our writings and we talked about how we can make our writings better and what our writings meant to us. It was a really cool writing class. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I got a letter from her. I'm like, oh. And the last time a teacher had written one of my coaches a letter, it was Senora Rehush, my sophomore year in high school, my Spanish teacher wrote my dad, who's our head coach, and it wasn't pretty. And she totally was dramatic and overreacting on some things, but it wasn't pretty. So I, I had no idea where this was going. And all of a sudden, his smile came across his face. He goes, I got to tell you, I wish all of our guys could get letters like this. He goes, she loves you. She loves how you participate, how humble you are, how you ask questions about getting better, and how much she loves having you in class. Now, see, to me, there's a lot of wins there, right? Forget the fact I'm getting an A. Forget the fact they realize that I actually enjoy English. And that was what he majored in when he was at Duke. He was an academic All-American at Duke. But it also is a sign that, yes, coach, I am going to class, despite what sometimes you guys think. But what was really cool about that is that one conversation, I, I told him so before he passed, Miss B, coach, and I went out to dinner and we just had a really cool conversation, a wonderful conversation. And I shared this story with him. And I, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it. And he was blown away that I remembered it. But here's what happened. He completely connected with me right there because that right there was him recognizing me. He didn't walk out on purpose. Like he didn't come find me. But when he saw me, he cared enough to let me know that I see what you're doing. It's really cool what you're doing. And, you know, it's something to know that people recognize that. But he didn't need to make a big deal of it in front of the team. No one ever knew. Honestly, guys are probably listening to this. They're like, you're full of it. There's no way coach ever did it. And that's the way I like to be coached. And one of the great ways to let your team know you care at an even deeper and higher level is figure out how they like to be recognized. Some people love awards and that's awesome. And they love to be made a big deal of and they love to be recognized. And that's absolutely as it should be. Do it and do it as well as you possibly can. But then there's going to be others that like the quiet conversation that want to have a follow-up. How did you do it? What did you do? What can I do to help you duplicate it, replicate it? to keep you going. How do your people like to be recognized? And that goes to the next one is, how do your people like to be coached? How can you connect to them? And the amount of trust that you will develop. And, and now we've talked about like how you can show them you care, but what are the results? Are there really results? Are there really things? We're so into quantifying things, qualifying things. We're so into, can we measure it? Which again, as it should be, you're going to see the results in your numbers. And here's why. First thing is that's going to happen as a result of you intentionally becoming better at caring for your people, which you absolutely can. Intentionally becoming better at caring for your people, letting them know that you care is the impact that you are able to have on them increases exponentially. And here's why. 
because they trust you and they're going to give you access to them. They're going to give you access to their loyalty. They're going to give you access to their mind. They're going to give you access to their hearts. So the positive impact you can have, and they're going to open up and become more vulnerable with you. So you can realize what makes them tick and put them in a better position to be more successful. Next, buy-in. When they realize that you're in this for them, not just with them, they're going to run through a wall for you. They're going to do whatever they can to maximize the success of your team. They're going to embrace their role and they are absolutely going to become emotionally attached. And that leads to my next one. By showing that you care, don't fake it. You can't fake. There's no BSing whether you genuinely care. And and people can feel it. They can feel that you care. So when they know that you care, you become a big part of their emotional attachment to the purpose, vision, and mission. Some coaching leaders become the glue, which is why it's a bit significant, sometimes catastrophic when they leave. But you become a big part of their emotional attachment to the purpose, vision, and mission. Remember, right? Culture comes to life through your people. When they are emotionally attached to your purpose, vision, and mission, that's huge. It raises the level of their self-confidence. Caring raises the level of their self-confidence because they know you have their back, which leads to my next one. The likelihood of them taking risk increases greatly. They're psychologically safe to know that if they fail, if they make mistakes, you're there to coach them. You're there to support them. You're not there to chastise them. You're not there to to mock them. You're not there to ignore them. You're not there to push them to the side, that you have their back, that you care. So they're going to be more willing to take risk. And when they start realizing a little bit of success when they take those risks, think about what that's going to do to their creativity. Think about what that's going to do to them challenging the status quo. It's huge. You absolutely are going to increase your retention. Next, your people are going to understand that there is a reason for everything you do now. They might not understand that reason right away, right? They might not, eh, I don't really get what she's doing. I don't get why she's doing it, but I know that there's a reason because I trust her, because I know she cares and she's not going to put me in position to fail and she's not going to waste my time. So your people are going to understand that there's a reason for everything you do. And next, this is huge. Think about this. Think about what caring does for your recruitment and your retention. Whoa, Ed, recruitment. How does caring help our recruitment? I'm going to tell you how it helps. Your best recruiters, your greatest recruiters are who? They're the people inside of your organization right now. I remember as a college basketball coach, if I wanted to sell our program, I would just give our recruits to our players and go. Go do your thing. Because there's going to be no BS about them. They're going to talk about a day in life. They're going to talk about the reality of what it's like to play for us. They're going to talk about what our expectations are. They're going to talk about the commitment and the demands and the expectations that we have that are what set us apart from the other programs in our conference and at our level. Okay. But inside of your business, your people are your best recruiters. And if you care for them, they're going to tell that story and it's going to help your retention. More money doesn't necessarily always pull people away. It's hard to walk away from somewhere where you know you're wanted, somewhere you know you're valued, Somewhere you know the work that you do is important, and you know that you have a coach that cares for you. You're not just going to walk away from that for more money, as long as there's a clear cut vision, purpose, and mission, right? Care. Know that you care. And at the end of the day, here's what's really cool. I mean, your people will become the keepers of your culture, they will blow your culture up exponentially. You will realize success that you just, yeah, sure, you might have envisioned it, you thought it was possible, but man, and we're doing this together. And it's one of the coolest things about being a coach and being a leader is, you know, you'll hear 
someone will reach out to you five, six, seven years after the fact, and they'll share a story with you, just like I was saying, I share with Coach B, that the impact you had on their life. You know, I love it. It's one of the things I love about what I do is when someone will reach out and share a success story that they had by implementing our program or by the two years we spent together or the three months we spent together inside of one of our coaching programs, they will be the keepers of your culture. They will grow it exponentially. You will have done it together and your impact will not stop. And that's why I honestly, caring, it seems so simple. How many bullets did I give you for like how to do it? How are you going to let someone on your team today know that you care? How are you going to let someone in your family know that you care? Someone you haven't talked to in quite a while. Don't wait till they're sick. Don't wait till something significant happens in their life. Do it today because you don't know what's going on in the world, but you're going to figure it out because you care. But again, if you want to get on our mailing list, we have so much fun with it. Check it out. You can email me at ed at the group.com. We'll get you on there. Or a little easier, quicker turnaround is if you go to our website, the group.com. That's T H E M O L I T O R group.com. And there's an opt in there to get on our VIP mailing list. And again, what do we share? We share stories, we share a lesson, we share strategies and resources, a podcast episode that is tied into the things that we're talking about. Everything has to do with what's going on in the leadership world right now. We also recommend a book. We give a shout out to someone who is either a podcast guest or a former client of ours. We surround you with winners and real stuff. And that's it. And we're not shy about talking about winning. We're not shy talking about victory. It's a really cool place to be. So to wrap this up, I want to leave you with this, right? All the things that we do to develop ourselves as coaching leaders, all the work that we put into it, what it all comes back to, what's going to set you apart, what's going to make people want to be on your team, what's going to make people never want to leave your team. It's time for them to be a leader. The greatest thing you can do is care. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.